that was a stroke throwback. <laughs> I don't know if some of you knew that, but that was the Wyans from I've Been Restored. Restoration. Restoration has finally come. What a refreshing. It's such a great thing to be refreshed by the Lord. You know, if you've ever fallen out the will of God, then you know what they're singing about. And, you know, I don't know anyone that could put their hand up and said that they've never done wrong. You know, maybe you thought you were right and you did wrong. And, you know, and certainly I'm not a fan of those that, uh, you know, good girls that go bad and guys, the same thing. You know, I, I've heard artists, uh, singers that were singing the gospel and they were raised, you know, trained up the right way and they were doing the will of God. And somebody told them, well, you've been good all your life. So they decided they were going to go out and, and do what was wrong to show that they can do what was wrong. But the greatest testimony is when we say that I've been steadfast, unmovable, and I don't need to go out into the world to prove to anybody anything. My proof is unto the Lord. And that's what we're doing. We're proving ourselves. The Bible said, uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. You're listening to Cornerstone Apostolic Church. This is Sunday morning live on a Tuesday, August 25th. And I am Pastor Carl Henderson. And we're inside the pages. No better place to be than inside the word of God. Amen. I pray that you have had a blessed day. If you're going into your evening, that you will have a blessed evening and a peaceful rest in Jesus name. You know, I was uh, listening to a song earlier, uh, another song, and it was just, you know, uh, the singer was pouring his heart out. And I was looking at some of the reviews of what uh, people were saying. And someone made a statement and said, the church needs to rise up. I believe the, the proper statement is that they should have been saying, I need to rise up, you know, because the church, uh, we talk about the church and, you know, the church, the members making up the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ does not have anything wrong with it. We as a people, that's different because everyone is not uh, testifying. You know, you go into a church service and you look for the testimony uh, their testimony is, I got a new car. I got a Toyota. So you got a Toyota testimony. You got a Nissan testimony. But my question is for you, did you pray with anyone today? If you had an opportunity, you know, I know we're social distancing and we're at home, but did you pray with anyone? Did you pray for anybody today? Did you, did you spend time? Was your prayer selfish about me, myself, and I, or did you spend time praying for someone else? Did you witness to anyone today? Did the opportunity present itself? And if it did, did you take advantage of it? What about your household? Did you anoint your children with oil? Did you lay hands on them? You, you know, you, you're anointed. Did you lay hands on them and pray for them? What are, what are you doing as an individual? Forget that statement about the church need to rise up. Uh, the body of Christ is risen. He rose uh, after three days. But what about you as an individual? What are you doing? Our Sunday morning worship begins at 8 a.m., Tuesday Bible study at 7 p.m., and Acts of the Holy Ghost on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Something to think about before you go to bed. You know, and I know that we have listeners 
on other continents, we have people that are getting up, um, we're going to bed. And so certainly we're aware of that. And uh, maybe you can carry the acts of the Holy Ghost with you through your day and to think about what God is really doing. You know, there's so much that we are missing out on because it's not being exhorted by some. And then there are those that are, and I, I just pray, and, and we're going to have a word of prayer in just a moment here, but I just pray that, that those of you that are getting the word, the unadulterated truth, that are getting the gospel as it is being exhorted here and other places that you are making application of it, that you're not taking the word of God and, and filtering it through your own mind and emotions to say, well, you know, God don't mean it that way, and I'm going to do it my way. And, you know, there it's time out for that. It's been time out for it. And let me tell you, you'll never be saved. Uh, you may be saved now. You're saved to be saved. Let me say that again. You're saved to be saved. The only thing that's going to change is your body, not your spirit. And if your spirit is not lined up with the spirit of God, you're not going to make it. And you're not going to experience in this life, in this life what God has called and have in store. There's something deep in my heart, and I know that it's not time, can't go into it, but it's really in my heart because God has called us to be a peculiar people, and that's not doesn't mean weird and acting silly and all of that kind of stuff, uh, but, um, but there is a meaning behind that that is for the mature. And so, um, uh, therefore, uh, listen, we believe the Bible is the word of God, therefore I'm faithful, bold the church. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. And let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you for your goodness and grace, Lord God. We honor you for the Lord Jesus for restoration. There are those that have been restored back to their place in you. Lord God, and those that are on their way, Lord God, and we just thank you and honor you this evening for your goodness, your grace. We thank and honor you, Lord God, for what you have done, Lord God, and for what you're going to do. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I just praise you right now, Lord God, and ask that you bless the listeners, those that are, whether they're driving, whether they're getting ready for bed, whatever it is, Lord God, you know, you said that there would be two in the field, one would be taken the other left. Uh, two would be in the bed, one would be taken the other left, Lord God. And so you know that there are, we're in different time zones, but your word remains the same, whether it is night or day or evening, more, no matter what. And Lord God, so we just pray and ask for your blessing upon your people. Lord God, as they are faithful unto you, I pray for the faithful that you bless them. Let your signs and wonders be manifested in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of Ezekiel. This is Tuesday Bible. I study the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, the 26th chapter that we have been laboring through and yet laboring, plowing through the book of Ezekiel. And it is some work. And so if you've missed any part of it, I want to encourage you to go to our website, connectingtruth.org. Uh, matter of fact, look at the video. I pray that you go there even just to look at the video that has been published there to remind you uh, that we're knocking at the door. And so um, uh, if any part of the sermon that you have missed a teaching on Ezekiel, if you go there and click on uh, God on demand at the bottom of the page, it will take you to the archive of messages and you can listen to what you have missed 
and uh, you know, and I'm sure there's something that is there that has been said that it will encourage your heart. We're about the word of God, not about uh, politics, not about any that, that's religious politics and social, and not about you know uh, faking and shaking and playing around with this, because God has saved me, and I know what He has delivered me from, what the Lord has done, what He how He has blessed my life, and I am so grateful. And uh, it still causes me to melt like butter uh, on a hot stove. It still impacts me and it will impact me uh, for the rest of uh, my life as I, I'm about this life. And so uh, if you've missed any part of the message, go back to uh, the website, uh, connectingtruth.org and click God on Demand. And we're in the 26th chapter of Ezekiel beginning at the seventh verse. And uh, it says, for thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will bring upon Tyrus Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of Babylon, king of kings. That is very interesting there uh, from the north with horses, with chariots and with uh, horsemen and companies of much people. He shall slay with the sword thy daughters in the field and he shall make a fort against thee and cast a mount against thee, and lift up the buckler against thee. He shall set engines of war, engines of war. Wow, they were building engines in that day. They, they had a certain level of technology. Engines of war against thy walls, and with axes, with his axes, he shall break down thy towers. By reason of the abundance of his horses, their dust shall cover thee. Thy wall shall make, uh, shall shake at the noise of the horsemen and of the wheels and of the chariots when he shall enter into thy gates. I feel the Holy Ghost. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God. Uh, when he shall enter into thy gates as men enter into a city wherein is made a breach. With the hoofs of his horses shall he tread down all thy streets. He shall slay thy people with the sword and thy strong garrison shall go down to the ground. And they shall make a spoil of thy riches and make a prey of thy merchandise. And they shall break down the walls and destroy thy pleasant houses. And they shall lay thy stones in their timber and thy dust in the midst of the water. And I will cause the noise of, the, of thy songs to cease, and the sound of thy harp shall be no more heard. And I will make thee like the top of a rock. Thou shalt be a place to spread net upon. Thou shalt be built no more. For I, the Lord, have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Now, Ezekiel, again, Ezekiel, God, <laughs> this man had some work. Uh, to do. Now, Zikki was a minister already, but then God uh, spoke to him while he was by the river of Chabar and began to minister to him and show him visions. And the visions were very meaningful. Uh, we won't have, don't have time to go into that. It'll take us away from the, this lesson tonight, but you can pick it up on God on demand. And so um, we dealt with the, um, the cherubs that he, he saw, the seraphims. Uh, and they had four faces. And then there was also the, uh, the fact that he saw these stones and the color of the stones, which had meaning. God doesn't do anything without meaning. 
uh, everything that you see, everything around you has uh, meaning to it. It is not just done, except for the things that we put our hands on. You know, we'll fashion, we'll uh, take a tree, cut it down, and 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 a certain part of the year, you know, uh, it's all about that tree. Uh, there is statues that are ceramic and metal and wood, different things that people uh, have in their homes and businesses. Uh, you know, we make these things. We fashion those things after our own hands, and they have meanings too. Uh, they have meaning, and they are taking the place of what God uh, really wants established. And so uh, uh, we don't want to do that. We want to follow after what God has presented to Ezekiel, and that is life. Uh, Ezekiel is about life. It is not about death and destruction, but it is about life. It about restoration. And so as we read through this and we come to understand and where we are today, there has been a shift in the word of God because Ezekiel started out ministering to the people and telling them about the, the secrets. You know, we have secrets and we like to try to hide. The Bible said that men love darkness more than light because of their deeds. They don't want people to see their deeds. And, you know, the freaks come out at night. You know, the, the nighttime is when big girls put on little dresses. You know, and same thing, guys put on the, what they're going to put on. And uh, and so um, it's a time that we all have to be aware of. Ezekiel is dealing with those things because the nation of Israel had said, we want to be like other nations. However, they went far beyond. They went far beyond what other nations were like. And other nations was looking at Israel's like, Wow. Man, are y'all really doing that? We didn't do that. Are you really doing that? Yeah, they were doing it. They went over the top. Israel became extra in the eyes of everyone, but most importantly, they became extra. What they were doing was extra in the eyes of God, which was an embarrassment to him. You know, there are things that we do that embarrass God. And, you know, I'm if, if anyone was to ask the question, I would be the first to put my hand up you know, because of the, the silliness and the foolish things that we do in our life is not only an embarrassment to our parents and an embarrassment to our spouses or, uh, you know, or maybe our mentor uh, when we go astray, but when we uh, continue instead of changing directions, uh, you know, it's embarrassment. And so if we think about those things and how it impacts our loved ones and those that uh, here in our physical presence, how does it impact God? And as we go through it, have traveled through Ezekiel, uh, the Lord made it very plain that he was hurt, that he was impacted by the behavior of those that he loved. And so, but uh, the thing is, is God never gave up. He didn't give up. Chastisement don't mean that God has given up on you. Uh, you know, dealing with the pain and suffering of whatever you have caused to come. And the Lord made it, uh, the Bible makes it very plain that what Israel was dealing with was because of their own behavior. Now, everyone 
uh, in captivity was not dealing with the situation the same. There was a remedy of people that was calling out and praying against the unrighteousness, praying against the abominations. Are you praying against the unrighteous today? Are you praying against those things that are abominable, that are offensive to God? Are you calling out the unrighteous? And I'm not talking about the person that you think is unrighteous. I'm talking about you praying against the spirit of unrighteousness that possesses people to do wrong. There's a spirit. There's a spirit that causes people, that possess people to do wrong. People know what they're doing. And, and they sometimes they come to themselves afterwards and realize that, man, but that's not everyone's story. Uh, it, people know very conscious of what they're doing and the actions that they're taking and the ramifications that's going to occur. And so are, are you praying against that? There was a remnant in Israel that was praying against the unrighteous, praying against those that was doing wrong. And God had them sealed so that when the calamity, the different things that was coming up on Israel, they would not be touched. And so the Bible tells us in the third chapter of, of Ezekiel, it says, son of man, I have made thee a watchman. I made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the words at my mouth and give them warning from you, from me. And so nothing, nothing that occurs uh, does not come uh, without a warning. There's a warning. Now, if your minister of those that are uh, ministering uh, is not giving you warning and telling you what thus saith the Lord, uh, you need to pray. You need to pray. Or you, first make sure you're listening to what is being said uh, so that you know uh, that uh, that you're not missing something because it's falling upon deaf ears. Uh, there was a time where the people of God just would not listen. The word of God was coming, but their ears were stumped. Their ears were deaf because of the hardness of their hearts. And so they couldn't hear what was being said. Are you hearing the warning? Are you hearing? And it's very important. Listen, it's very important. We were having this discussion the other day uh, about uh, the importance of being in the presence of the minister. You need to be in the presence of your pastor. You need to be in the presence of the ministers. And it's important because you, uh, I'm the under shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. And so I'm, I'm following the instructions of what God has given. Now, the shepherd has a responsibility to take care of the sheep. And so in taking care of the sheep, you know, uh, let me let me go here with it, uh, because as we were talking the other day, uh, having this discussion, if you have a pet, you have a, a dog, you know, my 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 uh, our family dog name was Butch. And so um, uh, Butch, Butch was a good dog, part of the family, love Butch, you know, like anyone else that loved uh, their uh, listen. And so Butch was uh, Butch could not get the fleas off of him. See Butch scratching, trying to get the fleas off of him, but he couldn't do that. Butch could roll all over the ground and make himself even more dirty trying to scratch himself, but it was nothing like us the, giving him a bath. It was nothing like us making sure that the fleas were gone and that he got uh, the type of uh, remedy for whatever was ailing him. And so it's the same with the sheep. And so you need to be in the presence of your shepherd. Uh, don't run from the shepherd. You need to be in the presence of the shepherd so the shepherd can get the fleas and ticks off of you. Uh, you may have been uh, someplace where you have thorns and stuff on you, and it does irritate you. And so that irritation is sin. 
and you need that to be removed from you. The Bible said the elders would pray for you and pray for your healing and your sins would be forgiven. See, that's the that's one of the uh, peculiar people. Everyone won't get that, that the, the minister, the elder, not necessarily the pastor, but the elder that, ha that is walking in the authority and, and, and righteousness with God can pray for you and healing will occur and sin be forgiven. And so Ezekiel had the responsibility. Uh, the, the, the next verse says, the 20th, about the 20th verse, again, when a righteous man have, have doeth turn from, his un, from righteousness and commit iniquity and lay a stumbling block, I lay a stumbling block for him. Some of the things that you're tripping over or worried about, concerned about, is because you know that you need to get something right with the Lord as a stumbling block to get your attention. And the Bible said that when I put a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him a warning. See, Ezekiel, uh, there's a sternness there that the minister is told you have to comply. If you don't comply, then his death in his sin, the man, if, he, if the man or woman die in a sin, uh, you didn't tell them you're going to be held accountable. His blood will I require at your hand. Nonetheless, if thou warn the, the, the righteous man, mm -hmm, if you warn that individual that the righteous sin not, don't sin, don't do that, don't be faithful to God, be faithful to the Lord. And he doeth not sin, he shall surely live. See, there it is, a benefit of doing what's right. He'll live because he is warned. And so when our warning is not to scare you, make you think we're trying to control your life, uh, but we're keeping you in in the will of God. Now, Amos 3 and 7 says, Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And so the Lord lets us know things through dreams, through visions. Uh, sometimes it's just a word that is heard uh, that comes and you wonder, and, and I know I've been there. Well, I'm wondering like, why am I thinking that way? Why am I listening? Why am I hearing that? Only for it to be revealed later that it was the Lord letting me know something in advance. And with that advance warning, I knew what to pray about. I knew what to what to look forward to and how to address it. Now, unless the Lord reveals the secret and he reveals it with instructions, uh, sometimes those instructions is not to say anything. It's to it is the responsibility of the servant to deliver the message unless God says, don't say a word. Now, there's a difference between the message of God and the message of a busybody. There's some people that are busybody and other people matters. There's some people that have something to say about everything. And that's not the message of God. Uh, the message is the word of God, not my opinion. The message is the word of God, not some gossip. The message is the word of God because it's his anointing that it destroys the yoke. Now, when you uh, let all your business out, well, you tell that friend and they because why? Because they understand me. Now, some things we supposed to we supposed to pray about it. We supposed to go into our closet and pray and then allow God to deliver the answer openly. But instead, we share with our friend. Uh, they understand me. Yes, they do. And soon others will understand you, too. Listen, there are a few words of wisdom that I'm going to give you right here. Uh, uh, these, these words of wisdom uh, that if you apply them to your life, it will take you a long ways. Okay, here it is. Shut up. Moshi, Damar, Bizu, Kamate. Just those simple two words right there. Just those words will go a long ways in helping 
helping you. It has helped me and it has helped so many others when we just close our mouth. The Lord said it like this, stand still and see that I'm God. There we go. There's a scripture for those of you that are so spiritual that you, you need that. You know, if God wants your business to be made public, he'll do it. He knows just how to do it as he did with Ezekiel. He wanted Ezekiel to, there were some things that Ezekiel had to do uh, in his ministry that was done publicly. And there were things that the people were doing that his, his demonstration of what he had to deal with and what he was doing, uh, such as laying on his side for a certain period of time and eating a certain amount of food and, and restricting his diet, it, even the death of his wife that he was not to cry about was a public demonstration uh, that God made public so that the people of Israel would see them, see him and get a message out of it. Ezekiel's responsibility was to listen attentively, uh, listen to what God had to say and then interact with God's will. Now, many people say, I heard God say, but are you interacting with what God has said? Are you obeying his will? His will for Ezekiel was to expose righteousness, expose unrighteousness, warn the righteous, warn the unrighteous, give instructions to the people of God, as well as to be a witness of their response. Sometimes the message is only uh, to be delivered. And with that deliverance, there's instructions to leave immediately. So God may give a message to the minister, say, tell this to an individual, and then it's not for us to stand there and to, to socialize with you afterwards is to give you what God has said. And then you have to deal with it. Now, the Bible tells us in first Kings, and this is going to be a question for you, Bible scholars, uh, those of you that are in the word of God to, to dig into a little bit. But the Bible says when the king of Jer uh, uh, Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against, this is first Kings 13, uh, four through 10. Uh, when Jeroboam the king heard what the man of God cried out against the altar of Bethel, he stretched out his hand, the, the king stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him, tried to grab the prophet. But the hand of the king uh, shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. His hand actually shriveled up and the altar was split apart and it's ash poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, and look, he already he tried to grab the man and arrest him and his hand shriveled up. Now the Bible said the king asked the man of God, uh, intercede with the Lord uh, your God and pray for me that my hand be restored. So now he's asking for uh, to be healed. So the man of God interceded with God and the king's hand was restored and became as it was. You know, the king had sense enough to ask uh, for restoration. The king had sense enough to, hey, when you go to God, you ought to ask the Lord what you want. Uh, don't, you, you know, we used to sing songs many years ago. Uh, anyway, you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. But that wasn't the truth because you're, <laughs> because the blessing in which you were looking for <laughs> was not within that statement. And so the king had sense enough to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> My hand needs to be restored. This is going to create an issue. The Bible didn't say he bowed down. But listen, the king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. He wanted to bless the man of God. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possession, 
I will not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat, drink, uh, eat bread or drink water, but return your way uh, from whence you came. So he took another road. He took another road and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. And uh, his enemy reached out to him. I'm paraphrasing this. His enemy reached out to him and his hand withered. The same prophet encountered another enemy along the way. And so for you Bible students, uh, look up that uh, in that 13th chapter. And my question is, what was his name? What was the prophet's name? Uh, not only was the prophet's name, but I'm telling you that there were two enemies uh, that showed up and these enemies, the enemies that showed up cost him his life. And so Ezekiel did not take any chance, but took the responsibility of what God was saying wholeheartedly. How about you? Do you take chances? Are you serving the Lord wholeheartedly? You know, we have a lot of excuses. We got a lot of things that, that we have ahead of God. Are we doing unto the Lord wholeheartedly? You know, there are people that will not make sacrifices for you when it come down to what they're doing, but they they will ask you to do something and, you, and, and some will jump at the chance instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, nope, this is my, uh, me and God got a thing going on. I got to be faithful to him. And, and so if you read that 13th chapter, you'll find out more of what I'm talking about. But listen, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, it says, I, I besought thee, pressed thee to abide still at Ephesus when I was in Macedonia that thou mightest teach us some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edify, which is in faith, so do. Don't promote self-righteousness because self-righteousness is not salvation. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and the faith unfringed, uh, from which having swerved, some have swerved, they deviated, have turned aside into vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Now, the children of Israel turn their hearts to strange doctrines. The children of Israel turn their hearts to fables and endless genealogies and wind up in captivity because they were still promoting their righteousness, their own righteousness. They took a detour. They deviated from serving the Lord. And now they're bound by the hand of their own device. You should look around and you should learn a lesson from other people. You should look at the children of Israel. The Bible plainly tells us they were there for an example uh, for us that we should look. We should look at those that believe like Joshua and Caleb. The Bible said they were of another spirit and follow after that. We should look at Daniel who was of a different spirit and follow after that and, and Moses and, and others. We should look at the righteousness in which they did. Uh, the Bible said that Moses uh, for the uh, denied the pleasure of sin so that he could serve the Lord. And so he found pleasure after he denied that because God will fill our lives with what we need. Uh, and so uh, the children, you need to look around and see and learn a great lesson. Uh, what did I learn? I could look at some of the natural things that, that we deal with. You know, I, I learned that if I drink, if I become, if I drink and become impaired and then get behind the wheel of the car and then that hits somebody and kills someone, I'm going to go to jail. And I'm going to lose all that I have. And I'm going to be in jail fighting for my manhood. 
Uh, some some of you are lying to yourself, talking about you would not. Yes, you will. And you think you're bad. Listen, I've met some some people on the street that was bad on the street. They wasn't that bad when they got behind bars. And so, look, you wind up in jail, you become a Maytag. And that's not, that ain't, uh, look, it's not, it ain't the movies. You know, movies, you know, people going in a little weakly, ain't been, ain't been pumping no iron uh, um, and doing anything. And now you're in jail and you fighting off some, somebody that's, that's benching 400 on a regular, uh, telling you that, just giving you a knockout, you wake up and you still in denial after what didn't happen. Look, everybody's not going to win the fight. You need to learn that. And so therefore, if you don't get behind the wheel of the car, you've learned a lesson. I've learned a lesson not to steal a car, run from the police, you know, jump out the car and run, then I won't get beat with a flashlight. There are things that we need to learn. And, you know, I saw in the news that if I take drugs, learn a lesson, learn by looking at what other people are doing. Uh, If I take drugs, my heart is going to be racing. And after a while, I'm going to be out of control. Pass out. Medic. Now the medic is trying to resuscitate you. Maybe you think because you feel lucky. I feel lucky today. Uh, It doesn't mean you are. Remember, that's just a feeling. There are so many different scenarios that we can all look at uh, and learn lessons. There's good lessons that we can learn by paying attention. And there are some terrible lessons that we look, will experience if we don't. If we don't look at how Israel behaved and the things that they did, to us, we are subject to do the same thing. We need to pay attention to what is going on. Now, this is only for those that are committed. Good attitude about serving the Lord. Those that are sanctified, staying away from the shenanigans. You know, we need to make a cartoon called the shenanigans. Uh, someone, someone might do that. And who knows what it's going to go? But look, uh, what your anim- what your enemy should know. And I, I'm going to close with this. But there's there are a few things that your enemy should know. Your enemy should know that the Lord will bring everything hidden. Uh, into the light. So when your enemy try to be sneaky, uh, you know, and uh, uh, do things that are uh, under the cover, do things that didn't think nobody else would see, no one else is around, uh, no one's going to see me, you know, cheating and doing all those different things, taking opportunities uh, that they should not be taking, uh, need to be aware that nothing in secret will not, is going to stand secret. Whatever's done in the dark is going to eventually come to the light. Number two, uh, God will avenge you. He's a God of the just and he loves justice. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans, says, uh, never uh, tell us not to avenge ourselves, but leave it uh, the wrath to God. He's going to handle it for us. And let me tell you, you have to stay in good standing with the Lord for him to handle stuff. You know, don't just, people like to declare that, uh, paste those scriptures on their back, on their forehead, put it on their wall and all that, but they're not in good standing with the Lord. It makes a difference when you have a relationship. When you have a good relationship and you have credibility, and when you have credibility, you can ask for things. Matter of fact, you may not even ask for it. it the Bible said, I'll just give you the desires of your heart. And, and the fact that, and I'm not saying your heart is wishing anything bad, it's just the fact that God look at your heart and say, hmm, your heart is hurting, let me fix that. He won't let your enemy supersede you. Your greatest enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, he doesn't work alone. Your enemy does not work alone. But I, I take comfort in this scripture here. Isaiah 54 and 16, it says, Behold, I have created the smith, 
that blow up the coals in the fire and that bring it forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. Now, many times the scripture that is quoted from Isaiah 54 is uh, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But if you look at the 16th verse ahead of that, it identifies the fact of who actually is the creator of all things. And because God created, he knows everything about the weapon. And so I take comfort in the fact that God created the smith that blow up the coal, that bringing forth the instrument of his work and uh, and knowing that God knows what to do with that individual. Uh, God knows what to do with that enemy. He will prepare a table before you. Uh, therefore, we have a promise that if we live according to God, God is going to prepare something great in the presence of our enemy. Yeah, your enemy tried to embarrass you. Your enemy tried to do things that was that was going to make you look bad. Your enemy, they didn't. And sometimes they didn't know it. Uh, they thought they were acting up on their own. But listen, the greatest thing that that I want you to understand here, uh, because we're talking about what your enemy should know, is that there has been a seed uh, that has been sown into the flesh. And that seed has to be weeded out. Your greatest enemy is not the person next to you. Your greatest enemy is not the person that you're going to encounter, but it's your own flesh. Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the, the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that they cannot do the thing that you would do. And this is what got Israel in trouble, their own behavior. Their own behavior is what brought them into captivity. It wasn't what the Philistines were doing. It wasn't what Tyre was doing. It wasn't what uh, the um, Ammonites or the Edomites were doing. It was what Israel did. They obeyed their own flesh, and that brought them into captivity. And so your enemy need to understand and know that I'm not going to allow you to bring me into that captivity. Your enemy, you need to speak to your enemy yourself. Me, myself, and I, yeah, you need to talk to yourself. As for me and my house, we gonna serve the Lord. You need to talk to yourself that if I do that, it's gonna come to the light. So what do I want to be revealed? Do I want that bad thing revealed or do, what do I want prepared? I want a table prepared before me and so I'm not gonna obey. Wait a minute, the enemy, the enemy doesn't work alone. And so my flesh is being influenced by something. Now, I'm don't, I've never done a hard drug. Let me, uh, let's, let's say, uh, put a needle in my arm. I'm not tempted by that. So the enemy's not going to use that to tempt me, but he will try to use something that he know will get your attention. And so therefore, the enemy does not work alone, but he works against and with your flesh to work against you. And so you don't want your flesh to take control because that is your enemy. Now, the Bible tells us in the 19th chapter of the 119th chapter of Psalms, it says, wherewith shall a young man cleanse his ways? And that is by taking heed to the word of God. It's not enough to hear the word of God, to quote the word of God, to be intellectual about the word of God. But we need to allow the word of God to be a detergent in our heart. You know, to wash your wash your hands. But wait a minute. What about washing your heart? Let your heart be washed. The Bible said that we're blessed if we are doers of the word, not just hearers only, but we must be doers of the word. Amen. God bless you. This has been Pastor Carl Henderson with Cornerstone Apostolic Church, uh, 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona. If you're in Southern California area, you know, when this stay at home is over, certainly would like you to stop and give a wave if you're looking for a church home. 
uh, you know, uh, we have plenty of room and we're looking for souls and certainly looking for souls to be saved. We're not about member. It's about soul salvation. I want to present you present in the presence of the Lord, not just at the end, but today. God bless you. I'll be back again on Thursday to talk about acts of the Holy Ghost. Until then, let's all pray that the windows of heaven be open and God visit us and bless our souls that we walk in obedience and according to his word in Jesus name. Amen.
whatever is the river. I'm, I'm going to be logging up, but God bless you. Love you. 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Let's continue to hold the church up in prayer. Remember, the river is alive. Can you imagine just all the song, all the the languages, just singing that song unto the Lord, and just you know, there's a river flowing, just giving God such praise and just awesome worship, just unknown tongues to us in our natural, but when it comes to the spirit, everybody understands what is being said. God bless you.